It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everyone, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome to the show, everyone. We got a great one for you today here on this Friday, December 4th, as we look to preview UFC Fight Night Hermanson versus Vittori, which will take place this Saturday uh, at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. And it's great to be back with you guys here. We got a very busy Friday show for you all. Obviously, we uh, missed the recap for UFC Fight Night Smith versus Clark. Uh, probably a good one to miss because it wasn't that uh, notable or exciting. So we'll get to that uh, very, very briefly. Uh, we'll obviously talk about the main card showdown. We have uh, NSS 21 coming up uh, this Saturday. And of course, we'll uh, kind of talk about some housekeeping with the uh, November World Grand Prix. Um, so I think there's no better place to start than with the main card showdown. So obviously, uh, uh, like I said, the Grand Prix wrapped up. Uh, the uh, Fireman became the champ and the uh, November World Grand Prix. So he gets his first gold medal and uh, beats Reagan Hooverman 59 uh, to 58. Uh, just, you know, the Fireman. I mean, what can you say? You know what I mean? What can you say? Just the king of the king of very close decisions. You know what I mean? This, this, you know, like I said a couple of shows ago, this is a very sneaky guy, a very sneaky individual, and uh, you know, sneaks one past Reagan Hooverman. Doesn't knock out Reagan Hooverman. Doesn't knock him out. Sneaks by. I mean, this, the fireman, the fireman doesn't deliver. The mailman delivers. The fireman has had two knockouts in his in his seven wins. So he's a very sneaky individual, which is why I'm picking uh, no degree Jordan Vogel to win. Uh, but I guess I'm getting ahead of myself there. But uh, I don't I don't expect this to be a long reign here for the fireman. Uh, obviously, we had the the bronze medal match, which I don't want to talk about. But uh, yeah, Jordan Jordan beat me on that one. So uh, you know that's whatever. Uh, Reagan Hooverman, obviously because he lost um, in in the gold medal match, he's the uh, silver medalist. So. Funnily enough, he he's won both silver medals in, in, in the two Grand Prix that we've done. So uh, he is, well, technically he's tied for first place because uh, he has four points in, in the overall medal standings. But I suppose, even though he's a very sneaky guy, very, very sneaky guy, I suppose we'll give the tiebreaker to Drew because it, he has a gold medal win, win and Reagan doesn't have a gold medal win. So... I don't know. Technically, it's tied, but uh, you know, I don't know. We'll throw Drew a bone, uh, even though he's a very sneaky guy. Um, yeah, and then uh, Pip Pip beat uh, Bree. It might have been another knockout as well. Actually, I, I got to go back and look at that. And uh, Captain lost again. Captain's not very good at this, by the way. Uh, he's uh, 0-3 and one. So uh, I don't know. I guess having a dog making picks against humans. I don't know what I expected, but uh, I don't I don't know. But see, that's the fun part about this too is that, um, and I think that's why uh, Reagan Hooverman was having so much fun with it because he puts no thought into his picks. But honestly, I mean, I've been running into this. I know Drew has definitely ran into this uh, where you can overthink your picks because sometimes it's it's best not even to think 
like honestly, I think it is best to put thought and consideration into your picks. But it's kind of like March Madness. Sometimes it's just a better strategy just to pick whatever mascot is cooler. You know what I mean? It's so it's so random uh, that uh, you know. I don't, I don't know. Sometimes you never know. Um, yeah, I guess then I guess we'll go to the preview here for uh, NSS twenty one, and then we'll talk a little bit about uh, Smith and Clark. Um, so yeah, we have uh, the fireman taking on the uh, the bronze medalist there, uh, Jordan. So that'll be interesting. Uh, I'm taking on Pip. Uh, so that's interesting as well. It doesn't doesn't really make sense rankings wise because I'm three, and Pip is five. I want to say maybe actually maybe he's four, but uh, it would make much more sense for me to take on Reagan Hooverman. But I specifically asked to take on Pip, so uh, I will stop that hype train immediately. And uh, Reagan Hooverman is uh, I think he's still the number one contender because he just lost. Um, but he'll take on Bree, which is an interesting, interesting matchup because Reagan doesn't fucking, he <laughs> doesn't give a shit about his picks. So it's all random. And, uh, I think that's probably the highest ranked opponent Bree has ever faced. So I, I don't know if she wins, she might be the number one contender, which is, is interesting. Um, and then, I don't know. I still, I still have to figure out the rest of the picks for the card. I don't, I think there only might be one more match. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a huge card, um, but I guess we have picks in from uh, the Panda. So I guess he'll take on Captain again. We'll just do a rematch there because I we don't have that many people. Maybe I'll get uh, the D3 rules expert Jimmy Sturmey uh, in here to make some picks. But uh, yeah, we'll fi- we'll figure it out for the prelims. But the the main the main card of the main card showdown is set. So that's that's really all that matters. So take a sip of coffee there. Um, yeah, so let's very briefly, very briefly talk about, uh, uh, last Saturday's event. Uh, it was, uh, Smith versus Clark. Uh, Anthony Smith won that one in the first round, uh, via submission. Not a very good fight. Um, I thought it was terrible matchmaking. Um, obviously, uh, ah, shit, what was, what was the main event supposed to be? Oh, Blades and Lewis. That's right. That's right. Um, so obviously I think that changed on Friday. They were scheduled for the co-main event. Big, big moment there for Devin Clark. I mean, he's an unranked guy. He's 500 in the UFC or, or right around there. And, uh, I mean, it, it kind of works this way in UFC rankings, but it definitely works this way in North Star Sports rankings. If he would have beat the, the number seven guy, he's the number seven guy. If you beat number seven and you're unranked, you don't go to 10, you go to 7, because you beat the number 7 guy, so that was a huge fucking moment there for Devin Clark, obviously didn't turn out his way, uh, I do think he's a good fighter, uh, obviously you look at the losses he's had, I mean, they're to, they're, they're to some pretty uh, tough guys, like, I think he, he has a loss in there to, like, Jan, Blo- uh, Jan Blahovich, a um, couple, of, couple of pretty tough guys, so, um, un- unfortunate, I hate the matchmaking there for Anthony Smith, if, if you're the number five guy, which I, I believe he was heading into his last fight against Rakic, and you lose, and you go down to number seven, you don't take on an unranked guy. You take on, like, number 10 or number 11. You take on Johnny Walker. You take on Nikita Krilov. You take on guys like this. That's terrible matchmaking. It was just a easy, well, quote-unquote easy. Obviously, he's a fucking professional athlete, and you got to pay the guy his his respect. But that, that was an easy, easy match. For, for Lionheart Smith to get a win. I don't know why they were so eager to get him a win, 
but you don't you don't do that in matchmaking. And that wasn't th- that Smith versus Clark matchup wasn't a late replacement. That was that was a scheduled match the entire time. So I think that's a I think that's I don't want to be too hyperbolic, but that's kind of like a scumbag move to the to the rankings. That doesn't that, that's a boxing move. That's that's a that's a boxing move to to hey we need a rebound win. There is no such thing as a rebound win. You've this is the UFC. It was built on the toughest face the toughest. It wasn't you know and it's deviated from that a little bit. You know we have fucking clown shows like you know Mike Perry and Mickey Gall and fucking CM Punk you know thrown in there and we are in the entertainment era where you know like Dan Henderson gets a title shot against Bisping when he's ranked like 12. So I understand it's not perfect. But, like, what the fuck are we doing here, guys? Like, you don't just get to face unranked guys to get a rebound win. Uh, so I, I, I don't like that at all. Um, it, it, you know, and Anthony Smith said all the right things afterwards, so I, I can't really even be that mad at him. But um, the, the win does nothing for him other than get him a, a win. It, it, you know, it stops the, the streak. But I still think if he faces anybody in that top, uh, I'd have to take a look at the rankings, but anybody in like the top eight, uh, he just gets worked. I really think he just gets worked. I don't think he's that good. I think he was in the right place at the right time at every single step over the last um, two and a half years, two years maybe. I just think he fought big name guys at the very end of their career and knocked them out because they shouldn't have been fighting in the first place, and that propelled him to a spot where he got a title shot, got worked in the title shot, and, uh, you know, it, it, it was just a, a very fortunate streak. Um, obviously a UFC fighter, obviously, uh, you know, obviously a good fighter in the grand, you know, in the grand scheme, but just, uh, I think, a very fortunate fighter. Um, a couple of other notables on there. Uh, Miguel Baeza, he, he got a dub. Uh, I was thinking about ranking him, but welterweight's really deep, and um, even though he's like 3-0 and in the UFC... Definitely a guy to watch out for, but uh, not a guy we're going to smoosh into the rankings there. Uh, We had the grossest fight of all time between Parker Porter and Josh Parisian. Parker Porter won that fight. That's just embarrassing that you let a morbidly obese man uh, beat you in a physical activity. Uh, And that's all I have to say about that. Um, Yeah, fuck, that's really, honestly, that's really it. That's really it. The only only other one I'll mention is uh, Sue Madarji. Um, at flyweight, knocked out Malcolm Gordon in 44 seconds. That was pretty interesting. Uh, seems to pack a, a pack a punch at 125, and uh, really only notable because now we we have him ranked. Uh, let's see if I can find the rankings here. Uh, I think we ranked him at 15. Let me see. Yep, 15. So he's two and one in the UFC. Uh, you know, you knock out that guy. We had. Tagir Ulenbekov as our number 15 guy. I don't even know who that is. I just saw that he was a guy who had a win in the in the UFC at 125, so we just ranked him. Uh, so, I mean, this makes a little more little more sense, but, yeah, that's really the only other uh, notable thing there. I think, I think that's the only move in the rankings. Yeah, that was the only, that was the only movement. Nobody got cut. Um, Juicy Formiga got cut the week before. And nobody else was was ranked or or uh, uh, got a dub. Well, Anthony Smith did, but we're not going to move him up in the rankings for beating an unranked guy. So yeah, it was a, it was a pretty lame night for uh, the rankings, no doubt. Um, I think that's all the house, housekeeping and uh, recap stuff we had to do here. So 
Uh, with that, we'll move on and uh, start the uh, preview here of uh, UFC Fight Night Hermanson versus Vittori. Um, let me try to pull this up here because my computer obviously is uh, not uh, not very good. Not very good. Um, yeah, so we'll start here with the... Uh, well, actually, you know, we'll mention some of these canceled bouts here because uh, I, I think they're worth noting. Um, obviously, you, you really could do this with every single fight card the last, well, really ever since the pandemic began. I mean, there's always several notable canceled fights. Um, obviously, this was supposed to be uh, a matchup between Jack Hermanson and Darren Till. Um Fuck, that would have been a good one. Obviously, you guys know my opinion on, on Darren Till. I think he's on a five-fight losing streak. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. He lost to Wonderboy Thompson. Absolute robbery. Um, he lost to Kelvin Gastelum as well. Good good fighter, talented. Hasn't had a win since 2017, in my opinion. Uh, but that would have been a fun one, and that would have been a big one for Hermanson because that's a guy who's really under the radar. Um, you know, he, he had his first... Actually, no, his second. His second. So... Hermanson, nobody really knew about this guy, or maybe you did, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I certainly didn't really know about this guy until he had that fight with uh, Jacare down in Florida, where he was the main event. He beats Jacare, uh, might have had like a fight or two in between, and then really his 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 biggest potential moment was that um, main event uh, in his home region, I guess not his home country, but his home region um, in, in Denmark, where he got knocked out by... Uh, excuse me voice got really deep there for a second uh where he got knocked out by uh jared cannoneer so he was just on the precipice he was just on the cusp of breaking through and really being a title challenger and really being i don't want to say a household name but like really being one of the guys at middleweight and and lost that fight so i i I think this fight would have been really i think because i would have favored hermanson to beat till and till's a very big name so I think that would have done a lot for Hermanson. No, you know, we'll get to this obviously later, but nobody knows who Marvin Vittori is, which is a shame because he's a very good fighter and I am a fan of him. But nobody knows who he is, so the win's not going to do a whole lot for him. Um, we also had a, a fight canceled here uh, between uh, Cody Stamen and Marab Devalishvili. Uh, I noticed Marab is not on this card, so uh, I, I guess they just pulled him. Fucking! This guy has the worst luck possible because he has two losses in in the UFC. They're both bullshit losses, and every time Marab tries to fight somebody above him, the fight always falls out. It always falls out. So he's on like a four or five fight winning streak, and uh, it it's against I don't want to say nobody's, but like it's it's not against the guys who you should be beating on a five fight winning streak because it's just fighters fall out. You know he was supposed to have that fight with uh, Ray Borg. You know, the, the win over John, John Dodson is definitely his biggest to date, but it's just tough, man, because I think Marab really is is a title challenger. It's just, man, his development, or not his development, but his, his progression up the rankings has just been stunted because of, you know, just bullshit. Uh, so that's that's tough to see. Um, obviously, you know, after the fight with Darren Till fell out, it was supposed to be Kevin Holland, and uh, he tested for uh, COVID. Uh yeah, that that's tough too because I think. Well, Kevin Holland's not ranked. Marvin Vittori is. So from that standpoint, it's a better fight for Hermanson. But uh, 
I don't know. That's definitely an easier fight. And Kevin Holland's a very tough striker, but uh, so that, that's tough too. And and you know, one of the things that people talk about, and it, you know, luckily it's not exactly this scenario because I think Fatoria was supposed to have a fight anyway. But like, you know, a lot of people were talking about like, uh, oh fuck, who was it a couple of weeks ago? Ah, it doesn't matter. But you know, when, when fighters step in on short notice to take fights. It's definitely tough for the fighter on short notice. It's it's also pretty tough on the fighter who was there the entire time. Because, you know, if, if you're... And some fighters don't do this. But if you're a fighter who game plans for, for a specific opponent, and then they drop out, and then it's another one, and then, okay, now we got to cram for this one. It's Kevin Holland. Oh, now Kevin Holland's out. Now it's Vittori. That's pretty fucking tough because, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, you're, you're, you're scheduled to fight. You know you're probably going to fight on December 5th. But, you know... Your opponent keeps changing. So, you know, let's not underestimate how tough that this, this has been for Hermanson. And those are three relatively distinct opponents in Darren Till, uh, Kevin Holland, and Marvin Vittori. Um, so that, that that's a tough one. Um, and then Marab had another fight canceled with uh, Howney Barcelos, um, who I think we just put in the rankings. So that would have been at least a, a fun fight. Uh, if Barcelos was not under uh, medical suspension, according to uh, Tapology. So take another sip of coffee there. Uh, yeah, but without with uh, without further ado, without further to do, as uh, I like to say, uh, we'll start here with the prelims. We have a heavyweight fight between John Volante and Jake Collier. Uh, Volante is 17 and 12. Collier is 11 and 5. Uh, we'll take a look at the odds here. From again, I just have my I just have my pick of the litter here. I guess we'll go Bovada. Uh, they will have God. That is a jumbled mess. They'll have John Volante as the minus 200 favorite. Uh, I think that's fair. I, I think this is going to be. Uh, a pretty short night at the office for uh, John Volante. Um, obviously, John Volante is, is, is a really talented big guy, but he's not a heavyweight. Absolutely not a heavyweight. Has an extreme dad bod that does nothing for you. I, that, that's just my bigot, biggest pet peeve when, when people can't make weight and then they go up a weight class and they're just fat. Like, what? you guys are athletes. Like, what, what are you doing here? Uh, I, I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't think you'll see that five years, five years from now. I think this sport is becoming so mainstream and so many, so many people are choosing to become fighters, uh, from the get go instead of being like, well, I played college football and I didn't get drafted and, you know, or I'm a JV fucking baseball player like Dominic Reyes. And I, I switched, to switched to MMA. There's so many people who are just straight up right now starting, uh, with MMA, I don't think you'll see that five years from now. I don't think you'll see fatties, <laughs> for lack of a better term, um, in the UFC. Maybe still a little bit at heavyweight because you know you're gonna have a little chub, but uh, I just, I don't I don't see that being the future. So I think the days of of a guy like John Volante being, and he's six foot three, which is weird. So he's six foot three, two forty three, which doesn't really sound like it doesn't really seem like that would be a big deal. But like, oh, come on, man. You got to go back down to light heavyweight, which you won't because, you know, I'm sure it's awesome not to have to, you know, weight cut, but he's not a heavyweight. Um, oh, that's right. He got choked out in his last fight. So he was just molly whopping Maurice Green and got choked out. Uh, so 
But Jay Collier, this was the guy who got knocked out in like 45 seconds by Tom Aspinall. Um, a guy who used to be a middleweight just a couple of years ago in the UFC. So again, it's just two guys who uh, don't like eating salads and just want to fight at heavyweight. So just two sloppy big guys who are, you know, one or two weight classes above where they should be. Uh, have no interest in this fight, but I think it's pretty clear that uh, John Valente is probably going to win this one. He, I mean, again, he did lose to Maurice Green, but there was there was a pretty good performance by John, uh, John Valente, and I, I don't think Jake Collier is going to last to the second and third round where he could potentially, you know, do something late against uh, John Valente. All right, moving on here. Uh, in the featherweight division, we have a fight here between Damon Jackson and Ilya Topuria. Uh, Jackson is 18-3-1. Topuria is 9-0. and uh, We'll take a look at the odds here that are out of order, but they will have uh, Ilya Topuria. Jeez. These, these Eastern European guys, I never can get their names right. We'll just call them Ilya. Uh, Ilya is the minus 260 favorite. Um, yeah, this will be this will be an interesting one. These are two guys who just came out of out of nowhere, just came out of nowhere, and uh, I'm not trying to make it again. I'm not trying to make it seem like oh these are two ranked guys, but you know they they really came out of nowhere. Two guys who probably shouldn't have been in the UFC, but uh, definitely earned their spot. So Damon Jackson, I I first so apparently he was in the UFC uh, back in 2016. That was really before I started watching heavily. Uh, but a guy who went back to the regionals. Actually, I don't know if LFA is considered regionals, but uh, went down went down a level, went to the B League, uh, was racking up some wins in the LFA. Now, I have no life. So when PFL was on on Thursdays, I would watch PFL. And uh, I remember watching him take on Movlid Kabulov. And uh, I just rewatched this fight. Luckily, it was 10 seconds long. So, I mean, it's not really saying much where he got knocked out basically on the first strike that uh, Movlid threw. It was a uh, jumping knee knockout 10 seconds into the fight where he just got folded like a cheap lawn chair. And uh, I was like, oh, well, all right. That's my first impression of Damon Jackson. Uh, but he goes on. He, he gets uh, one more win. So he, I guess, gets kicked out of the PFL. Uh, goes back to the LFA, gets a win. And uh, I don't know if it was late notice or if it's just one of these things where we don't really have regionals anymore because of COVID. And, uh, you know, we just kind of sign whoever we can sign. But he made his UFC debut uh, back in September against Mursad Bektic and uh, choked him out in round three. So that's interesting. I mean, Mursad Bektic has definitely had his ups and downs, uh, you know, but, but has really kind of been hot shit in the UFC for... I don't know, like three or four. I always hear about Mursad Bektic. Um, so, I mean, that's interesting. I mean, talk about making the, the most of your opportunities. I mean, you probably don't belong in the UFC, but, uh, you know, you, you come in there and, and, and get a dub over an established guy like uh, Bektic. And then Topuria as well. Uh, never heard of this guy. He took a fight just a couple of months ago against uh, Yusuf Zalal, who I think, I think was... 4-0 in the UFC? Maybe 3-0. Three, three and, and the 3-0 was all in 2020. So, like, one of the breakout fighters... Yeah, so 3-0. All, all wins by decision. Uh, Lingo Griffin... And Lingo Griffin and Barrett... Excuse me. <coughs> 
So you're like, wow, okay, Yusuf Salal, I mean, that's that's a guy to, to, to look out for. I mean, he's racking up the wins in the UFC, and I love fighters who rack up unanimous decision victories because that tells me, like, you're the real fucking deal because you're not, you know, I know judging sometimes can be a little bullshit, but, uh, you know, okay, you get a couple of quick knockouts. That's cool. That just means you won one moment. But when when you're winning unanimous decisions, you're winning the the cumulative total of moments, which is impressive to me. Uh, and and goes out there and and beats them. So two guys who who really just kind of came from obscurity onto the UFC roster. So this one's this one's a good one. I'm gonna go to Puria. Uh, even though I think I think Damon Jackson beat the better fighter. I think Bektich is probably better. Then uh, Yusuf Zalal, I suppose you can make an argument, uh, you know, just that uh, that Bektich just kind of stalled out and Zalal was on, on the up and up. And, uh, you know, I think Zalal will be, that's definitely not the last we've heard of Yusuf Zalal. But uh, even, even though Damon Jackson beat the better fighter, the odds here are going to reflect Ilya. And, I, you know, undefeated, young, I am, I am going to go Ilya on, uh, on this one. All right, moving on here, we have a flyweight fight between Jimmy Flick and Cody Durden. Uh, Jimmy Flick is 15 and five. Cody Durden, 11, two and one. Uh, let's see here. There were some pretty wild odds on this one, I believe. Oh nope, wrong one. Uh, either way, should be a good fight. Uh, Bovada is gonna have Jimmy Flick as the minus 200 favorite. Uh, and and this this is exactly what the uh, the flyweight division needs. Uh, it, it just needs more fighters, and it needs more winning fighters. I mean, you could look at our rankings, and and you know do a deep dive on like again Su- Sumadarji or or fucking like Jordan Espinosa. Why are these guys ranked? Just because we have to fill spots. I mean that that's really what it is. So we need guys to emerge here at uh, at uh, at one twenty five. Uh, Jimmy Flick. This was the guy who uh, was on the Contender Series. So he was on it uh, just three months ago, basically. Uh, choked out Nate Smith. Um, again, handful of losses. I mean, 15-5 and five is not bad. I, th- I think, con- well, first of all, context is very, very important. But I think generally, generally, if you can have three times as many wins as you have losses, that's a pretty acceptable ratio. You know what I mean? And again, obviously, like, well... You know, Randy Couture's record is garbage. You know, you, you could, I guess you could say that on the surface level, but again, t- context is so important. They were all in title fights and against good fighters. So you know what I mean? I mean, Michael Venom Page has a great record, never fought a single fucking opponent in his life, just beats up taxi cab drivers <laughs> outside of his one, one loss to uh, Douglas Lima. Um, but yeah, I don't. You know, this this is this is what the featherweight division needs. Cody Durden, I think he also came from the contender series. Um, nope, nope, confused him with somebody else. Uh, but he he made his UFC debut in uh, August. Uh, it was a draw with Chris Gutierrez, who was uh, I think one of like seven people to have a leg kick KO, um, which is which is impressive. I think Gutierrez is a good fighter, and that that must have been up at one thirty five. Because uh, I, I definitely don't think that Gutierrez is a, is a uh, flyweight. I actually think he's a featherweight, but it might have been at, at bantamweight or something. Um, so either way, held his own against um, against a, a bigger guy. Although Cody Durden is five foot seven, with a sixty-seven inch reach, which actually that's 
that's pretty impressive for for flyweight. He's he's really never going to be the, uh, the 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 smaller guy. Um, although I mean Jimmy Flex five foot six, but he's got a couple of inches when it comes to reach. Um, I was doing a deep dive earlier. I want to say one of the prop bets here was was rather interesting. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna hold up. I'm not gonna hold up the show, but I want to say there was an interesting prop bet here. Um, but either way, it. it, it the way the UFC works, especially with the flyweight division, if if either of these fighters get a win, they're probably ranked at this point. Um, I am going to go Jimmy Flick on this one. Um, no profound reason. No profound reason. Just got to pick a winner. If he's the favorite, that's probably good enough for me when it comes to, you know, guys who are just trying to gain a footing in the UFC. All right, moving on here. We have a uh, lightweight fight here between Matt Wyman and Jordan Levitt. Matt Wyman is 16 and 9. Levitt is 7 and 0. Uh, the Bovada odds have Jordan Levitt as the minus 400 favorite, uh, which is uh, uh, interesting. Uh, Matt Wyman, uh, he last fought uh, Joe Selecki, lost to Joe Selecki, uh, got choked out by Luis Pena. Uh, hasn't had a win since 2014. Only had two fights since 2014. Um, and uh, a guy who, I mean, I don't know, his UFC record was never really that amazing to uh, to begin with. Does have a couple of wins over uh, Mac Danzig, but those were back in 2010 and 2011. So uh, kind, kind of been a while since Matt Wyman has been uh, uh, relevant. Uh, Jordan Levitt, however... Uh, contender series guy like fucking like most guys in the UFC these days uh, choked out Luke Flores um, definitely a ground fighter from what I remember um, in the contender series and fr- from what they were saying uh, 25 years old uh, 5 foot 11 got decent decent height there um, he is fighting out a syndicate MMA so for whatever that's worth, I mean, he can sleep in his own fucking bed, I assume, because I assume he lives in, in Las Vegas, where Syndicate is. Um, so that that's interesting, that, and that's a fucking really smart move by a lot of these fighters to, to live in, in Las Vegas. Uh, 25 years old, his nickname is the Monkey King. Um, yeah, that's a fine nickname. I don't know of anybody else who has that. Actually, is Jared... the Jared Brooks... Fuck, I feel like there's a flyweight who goes by the monkey... Maybe the monkey god. Either way, not the best not the best nickname, but uh, I could see it. If you're a ground guy, like you're just choking out people, uh, I guess that makes sense. Uh, but yeah, undefeated. Um, it is his UFC debut, but he, he seems like a really interesting guy. I, I do remember him mostly from his interview. Uh, seems like a really uh, uh, thoughtful guy. Um, so I don't know, maybe the jitters of, of a UFC debut don't get to him. Uh, because again, that's a, that's a real thing. Like I always say, plenty of good fighters don't win their, their UFC debuts. So it is, it is a real thing. I mean, you could have two evenly matched fighters or uh, minus 400s, pretty darn significant, but you could have a minus 200 favorite and just because it's their UFC debut, they still might lose. Um, obviously the odds don't have fucking any impact on the actual fight, but just kind of goes to show where, you know, we think a fighter is relative to his, uh, his opponent. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go Jordan Levitt on this one. Um, again, I, I just, 
the two fights I've seen from Matt Wyman in this sort of comeback, <coughs> I, I, I don't really see much that's going to be a problem for Jordan Levitt, so uh, we'll go Jordan Levitt, and I, I guess we'll go by submission because that's kind of his uh, uh, MO. All right, moving on here to the bantamweight division. I believe this is the prelim headliner, although I, these days I never know the order for uh, fights on a card because they seemingly uh, change by, by the minute. Uh, but it's going to be a fight here between Luis Smolka and Jose Alberto Quinones. Smolka is 16-7. and seven. Uh, Quinones is 8-4. and four. Uh, we take a look at the Bovada odds here. They'll have Smolka as the minus 130 favorite. Um, let's take a look here at the uh, the old prop bets here. Uh, so it is, it is a minus 140 favorite that uh, this fight goes to a decision. I think that's fair. I don't, I don't really see, uh, I don't really see uh, a finish happening in this fight. I do think it's pretty safe that this one's going to go to a decision. Um, Louis Smolka, awful nickname, awful nickname, Duh, Last Samurai, fucking stupid nickname. Uh, I, th- so this was a, this was a guy. He's more or less been around in the UFC since the inception of the uh, flyweight division. Uh, made his debut in the UFC at six and zero back in uh, January of 2014. So I guess the fly- I guess the featherweight. Jesus, featherweight. I guess the flyweight division was around for like a year, year and a half at that point. Um, but yeah, uh, a guy who's primarily been at flyweight, probably never should have been at flyweight, to be honest. He's five foot nine, uh, which, oh man, five foot nine at, at uh, flyweight's pretty fucking interesting. So I am, I am happy to see him in his second, because uh, obviously he got cut a couple of years ago and, he, and now he's brought back. Um, as a bantamweight, so I do like to see him fight at bantamweight. Probably couldn't make flyweight if he, well, I don't want to say couldn't make it if he tried, but probably wouldn't be smart, just because, you know, back back then he was like 24, 25, uh, now he's 29, getting a little bit older, uh, but really, 29 is probably your prime at, at bantamweight, so um, it, it's tough because I, I remember all the stuff he did, at, well, I shouldn't say all, because it's not like I'm his number one fan. But you know, I, I just remember the 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 faults at uh, flyweight, so it's really tough for me to kind of look at this guy as a new fighter because he's you know been out of the UFC, came back, and now he's up a up a division. Um, but uh, again, I think this is a very evenly matched uh, fight here. I, I think it's it's perfect. Two guys with imperfect records. Uh, with probably a, a lot of red on their records recently, um, you know, really, really makes sense. And um, honestly, the, the loser of this fight probably gets cut. Uh, again, you could say that for a lot of a lot of guys, and there's not really a rhyme or reason to why you get cut in the UFC and why you don't. Some fighters get cut going 0-1. Some fighters, like, uh, um, well, some fighters can go, you know, 0-4 and, and they're still in, in the UFC or... You know, some fighters have a four and six record, but uh, because they have uh, uh, interesting assets, they'll uh, stay in the UFC for as long as they want uh, because they're uh, IG models. But yeah, you never really know. But this is a guy who's uh, one and two in his last three fights here. Uh, really, two and two in in his second time uh, around here in the UFC. 
Uh, interestingly enough, he does have a win over Sue Madarji, who we just put in the rankings. Um, that was in his in, in his first fight back in November of 2018. But a loss to Matt Schnell, a loss uh, in uh, May to Casey Kenny, who's a very good fighter, very good fighter. But you know, you, you got to beat some people if you want to stay in the UFC. Um, and then uh, Quinones, I think he might have won the Ultimate Fighter uh, Latin America, like three or something. He definitely came from the Ultimate Fighter. I want to say he won it on one of those like seasons before it got canceled where nobody gave a fuck because uh, no good fighters were uh, were on those seasons. Uh, but yeah, El Teco, uh, he got knocked out by uh, the human coloring book Sean O'Malley back in uh, March. Um, again, a guy who's one and two in his last three. I I don't know. I guess I'm going to go with Smolka. But again, not, not really for any fucking amazingly solid reasons. These are, these are both two, two very questionable fighters um, at this point. But uh, I guess if I have to pick a fighter, it's, it's Smolka. All right, moving on here to the main card opener. It's going to be a featherweight fight here between Movsar Evluev and Nate the Train Landwehr. Uh, Movsar is 13 and 0. Landwehr is 14 and 3. Uh, we'll take a look here. Uh, Movsar is the minus 700 favorite, uh, which mm, I I don't know about that. I really don't. I, I think he should be the uh, prohibitive favorite, but uh, minus 700 is an interesting proposition when you're talking about fighting Nate Landwehr. Uh, who is one and one in the UFC? So he lost his debut to Herbert Burns, uh, got knocked out with that knee, and uh, then came back and just put a fucking bloody beating on Darren Elkins. I, I, I just. So I'm, 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 I'm going to start right off the bat by saying I'm picking Movsar to win this fight, but uh, in def- in the defense of Nate. Dude, he's a dog. So, I I don't know. I'm trying to find the specifics of some of these prop bets because uh, I I I think they're uh, pretty pretty fucking interesting. Um, let's see here. Okay, so these odds don't make any fucking sense when it comes to the prop bets. So I was, I was trying to decipher it. Uh, yeah, they just they don't they don't make any sense. Because what I was trying to get at here, which the, the odds are no help, is I think if Nate's going to win this fight, it's either going to be quick or it's just going to be a beating. Uh, I don't see a beating happening, uh, although it is po- it is possible, but I don't see a beating happening. R- really, it's just can he catch him quick? Because Nate comes out... Nate's a funny guy. Nate's a funny guy. Um, so, I mean, he's going to come out like Spike Carlisle. Not his last fight, obviously. His boring last fight. But, you know, those couple of interesting first ones. Um, but, yeah, Movsar, again, this is... this, But this is kind of a guy, like, uh, on the same track as uh, Yusuf Zalal. Where he's been in the UFC for three fights. 3-0. All unanimous decision victories. So, that's a very solid guy to put your, your your stock in. I know we just talked about how that didn't work out for Yusuf Zalal, but hey, this is MMA. Weird shit happens. But a guy who's consistently getting wins, I wouldn't say any of those three guys are, you know, profoundly excellent at MMA, but 
you know what I mean? They're three UFC caliber fighters. You get past Nate Landwehr, you're four and zero. You know there, there could be something big on the horizon for for Movsar. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna go Movsar by decision on this one. But again, wouldn't shock me if Nate. Well, I can almost guarantee, no matter what, even if Nate gets knocked out in 30 seconds, this fight's gonna be interesting. I hate using that word because it's so fucking bland. But this this fight is gonna be interesting, no matter no matter what happens, because there's not really a normal fight that Nate Landwehr is in. So whether good, bad, or indifferent, I, I think I think it's gonna be a notable fight that uh, we're gonna be talking about on on the recap. I, I feel pretty confident in uh, in in that. All right, moving on here, we have a light heavyweight fight between. Uh, Roman Delizzi and John Allen. Uh, yeah, this is the return of John Allen. Uh, I, I want to look this up because I don't want to get in trouble. Uh, but I believe, I believe John Allen was is coming off of a uh, uh, suspension. Let's see here. Well, he claims he had, he had gynecomastia surgery... And then got suspended. So he tested positive for an estrogen blocker uh, in July of 2019. Uh, this coming from uh, MMAfighting.com. And uh, he received a one-year suspension. Okay, so I, I didn't, I didn't want to get in trouble. I had to look that up because I don't want to get fucking sued. But, uh, yeah, so... This is kind of the return of, of John Allen, um, in, interesting guy. And then you know, obviously when you when you put on the sidelines, people will forget about you immediately. Nobody nobody gives a fuck about fighters who are not eligible to fight. That is that is un, unless you're John Jones, nobody fucking cares. Look at T.J. Dillashaw dropped off the map, and I think T.J. Dillashaw will be champ again. T.J. is such a good fighter. Uh, I think he comes back, gets a win, and then he, and then he's champ. I really do. I think within two fights, he, he's the bantamweight champ again. But people forgot about him immediately. And it was a two-year suspension, so in fairness, it's not like a six-month suspension. But like I always say, the best ability... This is just true in life in general, but really it's applicable to any individual aspect or endeavor. The best uh, ability is availability. And if you're not eligible to fight, nobody gives a fuck about you. So John Allen, definitely flying... Uh, under the radar here, uh, the odds are going to reflect uh, Roman Delizzi as the minus 210 favorite, according to Bovada. Uh, but yeah, John Allen, uh, 27 years old. So, I mean, I guess that's a good... If you're ever going to get suspended, I guess you'd want to get suspended young. It's not like he was, you know, 38 and got a one-year suspension. Uh, coming off of a no contest against Mike Rodriguez, which I suppose was probably overturned because of the failed uh, drug test. So, uh, technically, uh, zero and zero in the UFC. Uh, got choked out by uh, Vinicius Mojeda uh, back on uh, the uh, Contender Series in 2018. I assume that was probably the Brazilian season or half season of uh, of the uh, Contender Series. So not a whole lot of UFC tape on this guy. Uh, Roman Delizzi, however, uh, six foot two. He's 32, so he's he's a little bit older than uh, John Allen. Uh, fights out of uh, Batumi, Georgia, and I'm assuming that's not Georgia, uh, USA. That's uh, Georgia, uh, where when you say you're from this Georgia uh, and, and you're a fighter, you, you take them seriously because uh, 
yeah, they, they, they take fighting very seriously over there. Um, but a guy who uh, won his UFC debut back in July, uh, first round knockout of Kadis Ibrahimov, uh, which I, I rem, I, th- I think that was a fairly vicious knockout if I, if I'm remembering correctly. It's tough to keep a track, uh, tough to keep track of uh, some of these uh, Eastern European uh, fighters because a lot of their names just don't resonate with me. Um, but I think that was a particularly brutal knockout. Uh, my guy who's had a, a tough time trying to find fights in the UFC. Um, he does have a win over Michael Pasternak uh, in the fight before he came to the UFC. I want to say that's the Czech Republic guy uh, who fought on the Contender Series. Well, I suppose I could click on it and figure it out. Uh, nope, different guy. Okay, well, never mind. Forget that point. But either way, um, pretty legitimate prospect here at light heavyweight. I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Delizzi on this one. At least he has a win in the UFC. Uh, two young fighters just trying to just trying to establish themselves in the UFC. But John Allen, uh, I don't know. I guess I guess I'll believe him. Uh, but an extra estrogen blocker is a little bit sketchy. A little bit sketchy when you have an estrogen blocker in your system. So I don't know. I don't want to get in trouble. But you know that's interesting. So uh, yeah, we'll go Delizzi and, and you know fuck it. We'll go Delizzi round one KO. Round one KO. Not even TKO. Round one KO. All right, moving on here. Uh, still on the main card, uh, Talia Santos takes on Montana De La Rosa here in the women's flyweight division. Uh, Talia Santos is 16 and one. De La Rosa is 11 and five. Uh, we'll take a look at the odds here. They'll have Santos as the minus 205 favorite. Uh, and we'll take a look here uh, at the uh, North Star Sports uh, women's featherweight rankings because I don't think De La Rosa is ranked. I know we had her ranked at one point just because that division is so shallow. Uh, but I know Talia Santos is ranked. Uh, okay, yep, so Talia Santos is the number 15 ranked uh, women's flyweight. Now, just for... S's and G's, just for shits and giggles, I want to look at the UFC rankings, because their rankings are so fucking stupid, I guarantee both of these fighters are ranked, and I guarantee you De La Rosa is ranked something fucking ridiculous, um, oh, okay, never mind, alright, I guess they moved her down, so Talia Santos is not ranked according to, uh, the UFC rankings, uh, Montana De La Rosa is actually ranked at number 15, makes no fucking sense, but that's see that's why we do our rankings because our rankings are correct their rankings uh, are dumb um, yeah so I'm definitely going with Talia Santos here I think uh, I think her uh, she should be a bigger favorite uh, just a more talented fighter uh, 27 years old so just coming into her uh, her prime coming off of a win over uh, Molly McCann pretty good win. Um, did did have a, a stumble there in her uh, UFC debut. Uh, lost that one via split decision to uh, Mara Barella. I always that one always fucks me up too because of the the middle name or second last name or however you want to classify that. Um, I do want to look a little bit closer at uh, MMA Decisions here, one of my favorite websites. Uh, not a sponsor, but uh, I would love if they uh, if they paid me money. Um, 
And apparently it's consensus that uh, Romero Barella won that one, 29-28. So um, no no uh, skullduggery there. Uh, just just double checking, just double checking. Uh, I want to take a little bit of a closer look at uh, some of the uh, prop bets here because I want to see what the odds are that this fight goes to a decision. Um, and Bovada doesn't do prop bets for that, but from five dimes, whatever the fuck that is, uh, they have it as a minus 205 favorite that this fight goes to a decision. I think that's crazy. I, especially with female fights, uh, it's like a minus 700 favorite that, that they go to a decision. Um, so I would definitely, every single time, with very few exceptions for the main card showdown, I always pick female fights by decision. Um, just tends to go that way. Uh, I mean, really, really the same with men's flyweight too. I mean, you don't have a lot of power when you're 125 pounds, so you know a, a knockout is uh, not exactly imminent uh, at, at lower weight classes. Um, and then Montana De La Rosa. Uh, her husband is in the UFC. Mark De La Rosa has the, I think, the, uh, honestly, we talk about nicknames a lot. And we talk about, you know, some pretty good ones and a lot of bad ones. I think Mark De La Rosa has the worst nickname imagine. well, outside of, like, slurs. I mean, I guess, okay, so I guess there are a lot of very bad nicknames. But uh, out of the realm of possibilities for legitimate nicknames, I think, th- uh, not even the Bumblebee, just Bumblebee. I think that's probably the worst nickname you probably could have. Honestly, Mark the the Bumblebee De La Rosa. I think that's is honestly as bad as it gets. The Bumblebee. Uh, honestly, if it was me, I w- I would rather my nickname just be shithead than Bumblebee. It's, it's honestly it's not even close because at least that's like oh that's interesting. Your 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 nickname's shithead. Okay, well what's the story behind that? I, I don't know. It's still a bad nickname. But the fucking Bumblebee, the Bumblebee for a guy, I, even for a girl, uh, the Bumblebee, I don't, you mean those giant fat fuzzy things that are, I don't even see Bumblebees anymore, but like, not even like the Hornet, or like even the Bee, like, I don't know, do Bees even, I guess Bees sting, but like, I don't know, the Bees? You mean the things that I've smashed with a rolled-up newspaper? I don't know. But the bumblebee, I I just don't know. But, you know, that's neither here nor there, because we're talking about uh, his his wife, I think. I think they're married. Uh, 25 years old, but, uh, yeah, this this whole UFC career thing is not going super amazing. Uh, Coming off of a loss to uh, Viviani Arugia, a loss to uh, Andrea Lee... Uh, went over uh, Mara Barella, so I guess she dropped the Romero, which is good because uh, that's just a tongue twister. Uh, but yeah, her three wins in the UFC, like I said, Barella, uh, Nadia Kasim, and uh, Rachel Ostovich. So just three of the lowest level fighters you possibly could have in the UFC. So yeah, I think Santos. I, I think she wins. At least Molly McCann. We definitely had her ranked at like 14 or 15 a few months ago when we started the rankings. Uh, but yeah, she's just never beat anybody of significance, and I don't think it's going to start here uh, on Saturday. I think she gets uh, another loss, and you know, I don't know. Her job's probably safe because she's technically in the rankings, and 
you know, there's not a whole lot of depth here at 125. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not uh, not too not too thrilled about the prospects uh, of her long term. If if you know things don't change, uh, so we'll uh, move on there. All right, moving on to the featured bout here. At least again, as it stands right now. Hopefully, Tapology's not lying to me, but you know, I've been wrong before. Uh, we'll have a fight here in the lightweight division. It's Gabriel Benitez taking on Justin Janes. Benitez is 21 and 8. Justin Janes is 16 and 5. We'll take a look here at the Bovada odds that will put. Let's see here. Completely out of order. Uh, that will put uh, Gabriel Benitez as the minus 225 favorite. That was a lot harder than it should have been. Um. Yeah, again, lower level UFC fights here. Again, you just hope that, uh, you know, one of these guys does something, you know what I mean? Gets a nice knockout and then, you know, maybe they're in, maybe they're taking on a legitimate established guy uh, in their next turnaround. But, uh, you know, Justin Janes, uh, this was the guy who uh, made his uh, UFC debut on short notice against Frank Camacho, knocked him out in 41 seconds took on Gavin Tucker uh, in his last uh, outing in August and just he, he eventually got choked out in the third round by rear naked choke but just got oh man it was like a gang initiation he got beat real bad that fight that fight could have been stopped in the first or second round I mean he was really hurt I think if if Tucker kind of pressed him a little bit more he probably would have finished him uh, sooner than he did and on the feet as opposed to uh, on the ground choking him out uh, he, he was hurt, just wobbling around the cage. Um, you know, very tough fight for him. So it'll be interesting to see how he kind of rebounds against Benitez. Is he more of the guy we saw against Camacho, or, or is he more of the guy we saw against Tucker? Uh, Benitez, uh, I think this might be his first fight at 155, probably because it's, uh, you know, the pandemic, so might not want to cut a whole lot of, a lot of weight. But this is a guy who um, is a featherweight is a featherweight so I don't know if this is a permanent thing for him or if it's just a one-time thing uh but he's on a two-fight losing streak lost to Omar Morales and uh, got knocked out by Sadiq Youssef um yeah just kind of flip-flopping wins and losses very streaky guy so far here in the UFC but you know he's, he's been around since uh UFC 180 wow that was way longer than I thought um we'll go Benitez here again it, it's 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 tough to know what he's gonna do just because he's such a streaky guy, um, but again, like most fighters, you know, most fighters in the UFC beat the fighters they're supposed to and lose to the fighters that they're uh, not supposed to beat. Uh, I guess that kind of goes without saying. That's just kind of the natural hierarchy of things here. And I I think Benitez at least he's established in the UFC. Uh, I don't know from a consistency standpoint what we're gonna get from Justin Janes, and uh, yeah, we'll go uh, Gabriel Benitez. Well, I guess we'll take a look at the 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 uh, the odds here. It's minus one fifty five. It doesn't go to a decision. You know, we'll we'll go Benitez by by knockout. Not exactly a knockout guy, but uh, you know. You know what? No, no, no. You know what? No, no. We're going Gabriel Gabriel Benitez by submission because he he does have two chokes. Uh, two wins by guillotine choke in the UFC. Jane's got choked out in his last fight. I think, you know what? I think it plays out exactly like how it played out last time for Justin Jane's. I think Benitez 
is the better fighter. He's probably going to rough him up on the feet for a round or two, and I think he chokes him out in, like, the third. So we'll go Benitez by, like, round three submission. All right, moving on here to the co-main event. It's a light heavyweight fight between Ovince St. Preux and Jamal Hill. St. Preux is 25-14. and 14. Jamal Hill is 8-0. and 0. We'll take a look at the odds here from Bovada. They will uh, have Jamal Hill as the minus 170 favorite. Uh, this, this is a very, very good fight. Stellar matchmaking. Young upstart prospect versus the established veteran, former former title challenger. Obviously, what was it, 2016, where he fought John Jones for the interim light heavyweight championship at UFC 197. Uh, and th- and this is tough. And I want to give OSP as much respect as possible because we basically just saw this fight happen um, three months ago. I mean, it was literally like, it was almost literally the same thing, except with a couple of minor details, which is going to explain my my thought process here. But we just saw uh, Ovin St. Preux take on the uh, undefeated uh, Alonzo Menefield. And, uh, you know, Menefield was just flatlining dudes. I mean, crazy KO. Pa- Actually, no, 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 no. He lost to Devin Clark, so he was 9-1. and one. But very, very good prospect. Uh, elite striker, and you know, then he got he got knocked out by by OSP. So OSP is tough. OSP is a guy you never can count out. Obviously, very dangerous um, on the ground. Has that uh, uh, Von Pru choke, as we like to call it. Um, but also a very dangerous striker. So a really well, well really well rounded guy. Very dangerous left half of his body. Uh, whether it's his head kick, I mean, knocked out uh, Corey Anderson with that left head kick. Whether or not it's, it's his life, holy shit! I feel like I just had a fucking stroke there. Now I know what it's like to to be Brendan Schaub. Um, yeah, but uh, very dangerous left hand as well, because uh, he knocked out uh, Alonzo Menafield with that uh, left hand. So just a very dangerous guy. And again, a lot of similarities to be drawn here between this fight with OSP and Menafield and this fight with Jamal Hill. That being said, I am going to go with Jamal Hill on this one. Wouldn't shock me if if either fighter won, uh, really by any method, to be honest, because I, I do think OSP is very well-rounded. And, uh, well, actually, it would shock me if Jamal Hill choked out OSP, so I guess I want to throw that in there. No outcome would surprise me other than probably a Jamal Hill submission, um, just because he doesn't have a submission on his record. Um, but... Man, I, I, I've, I've been really impressed by Jamal Hill. His fight with uh, uh, Stosic, his knockout of Klitsch Abreu. Um, a fight like this is tough because it is projection. Because, you know, if you look at the stock markets, like uh, GSP would say, although I don't know why I made him Italian. But uh, if you look at the stock markets, uh, OSP, OSP probably has the higher stock, but Jamal Hill is surging. And we, we entered a, a very tricky area here where we try to project that Jamal Hill is better than OSP when we've never seen Jamal Hill beat a guy like OSP. I suppose that's why they made the fight. I suppose that's why, you know, the young prospect would take on the established guy. And that's the fun of this, this matchmaking. But it's, it's tough because you are projecting 
you know, with, with a guy like Jamal Hill, I think he gets it done. He just has that X factor. He just has that it factor. You know, he, he's got that he's got that swag, which I wouldn't, you know, bet my entire life on swag. We've seen plenty of plenty of swaggy guys lose. But he just he just has that that it factor. He just has that that calmness, that that smoothness, the the confidence in his striking. Uh, I I, th- I think he's uh, you know I think he's a much better striker than Menafield. I think Menafield has crazy fucking power, which is always going to be the great equalizer. But uh, you know obviously the the fundamentals were lacking, and that's why he got knocked out by uh, OSP. But I think I think Hill is is a much more polished striker. Um, and, and, you know, assuming this fight doesn't go to the ground, uh, it, it's probably a win for Jamal Hill. So really the, the question for me is, if we're going with the premise, which I am, that it's going to be a Jamal Hill victory, it's does he knock him out or not? Um, that's a, that's a fucking very tall order to, uh, to knock out OSP. Uh, this is a guy who really doesn't get knocked out. He's only ever been knocked out once. Uh, in the UFC, and he's had like fucking 25 fights or something ridiculous in the UFC. Uh, only ever been knocked out once, uh, and that was by uh, Jimmy Manoa. So I'm going to go Jamal Hill by decision. Uh, it's just, I, I don't think he passes with flying colors, but I think he passes, which is obviously ultimately, you know, the only thing that matters is, is you know, getting the dub. So I, I don't think it's pretty. Because it's it's very hard to look good uh, and beat OSP, but I, I think Jamal Hill is going to get this done by decision. All right, moving on here to the main event of the evening. It's going to be a middleweight fight here between Jack Hermanson and Marvin Vittori. Hermanson is 21-5. and five. Vittori is 15-3-1. and one. Uh, Surprisingly, surpri- and, and it's closed a little bit. But surprisingly, Marvin Vittori is the minus 140 favorite, which uh, we'll get to that in a second. I'm not too sure about that, but that that is very, very notable. Uh, We'll take a look here at the uh, North Star Sports uh, middleweight rankings. Jack Hermanson is uh, number four. Marvin Vittori is number 14. So this is... uh, fucking hell of an opportunity for Marvin Vittori because again how the North Star Sports rankings work uh, which are obviously the most ideal method of of rankings if he beats number four he's number four so geez you're talking about a 10 spot swing which is if you're number 14 you should be fighting number I don't know 13 12 11 10 would be a huge jump up for 14, but four, and again, obviously it's because, you know, fighters fell out and there are circumstances, you know, surrounding this fight, but the point still remains, this is one fucking hell of an opportunity for, for Marvin Vittori. Uh, I am a big fan of, of Marvin Vittori. Uh, I, I think he's a very good fighter, although I, I will say I'm a little hesitant to pick him in, in this one because I think it's probably a little... A little too much, a little too soon, uh, if if I'm being honest. Uh, Vittori, he's 27, been in, been in the UFC for uh, a hot minute, a hot minute, been here since uh, 2016, so he was just a young pup. Uh, had a loss to uh, Shoeface uh, in his second fight in the UFC, 
had a draw with Omariak Medov, who I think is like number 10. Actually, I have it right here. He's number 11 in the rankings. Uh, so just a, a tough guy for a young prospect to, to face. And a split decision loss to Israel Adesanya, where he took him down and, uh, you know, definitely definitely lost that fight. He, he did not win that fight, but it was a split decision, and I agree with that. Um or actually, I guess I don't, because I, I, I guess that would be you know three judges deciding that. I would have had a 29-28 Adesanya. Um, but a close fight. Interesting fight. And uh, a three-fight winning streak here over um, Cesar Fajeda, Andrew Sanchez, and then choked out Carl Roberson. Again, I just think it's too much too soon. I, I like the long-term prospects here of Vittori. I think it will be a close fight, and I... I, I th- it might be closer than people realize, or actually, probably not, if you're going by the odds, because the odds would have Vittori as the favorite. But I think the general public probably doesn't know who Vittori is, if you're just a casual fan, or uh, maybe if maybe if you're just a regular fan, because actually, I'd like to pull up the UFC rankings here, because I'd, I'd be very interested to see where they have him ranked, if they even have him ranked. Because, uh, you know, we're, we're progressive with our rankings, you know, we're... We are ahead of the curve with our rankings, so oftentimes we'll have guys who are ranked uh, before the UFC ranks them. Uh, okay, they'll have him at 13, so maybe it is a guy who people would recognize. Uh, but I just think it's too much too soon. And the the big thing here is I'm very curious to, to know where this fight takes place. And your guess is is pretty much as good as mine. Because these are probably two of the the most well-rounded fighters um, in the middleweight division. I, Hermanson definitely is a submission guy, so maybe he's a little less well-rounded than Vittori, but the better fighter. But Marvin Vittori, oh, man, I, I really like his striking. He does uh, have uh, you know surprising power. I'm not trying to make it seem like he's a KO artist, but you know he does have surprising power. I do like his striking. Um, but he's 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 very good on the ground as well, um, as we saw in his last fight, choking out Carl Roberson. So, well-rounded guy. Same with Hermanson. It wouldn't surprise me if Hermanson went to the ground and, and and you know tried to get aggressive, you know, with some chokes, um, or if he just kind of tried to stand and maybe try to pick him apart a little bit. I don't know if that's exactly the strategy I would go with if I was Hermanson, but I don't know. I could see I could really see this just being a kickboxing match. Or I, I could see a lot of it taking place on the ground. Um, and, and, and likewise, I could see this ending quick, or I could see it going to a decision. And I know that's not the answer anybody would want to hear, but I'm having a tough time trying to figure out what's going to happen. Because, like uh, like Hermanson, choked out uh, Kelvin Gastelum in less than 80 seconds with a heel hook. So Hermanson's very dangerous. I mean, he has, he has uh, you know, a fucking 35-second guillotine choke on Gerald Mearshart. He has a first-round submission of, of David Branch, first-round submissions in the UFC of Brad Scott and Alex Nicholson. So he's he's very, very capable of, of finishing a fight very quickly via submission. But he also has some decisions. And Vittori's a tough guy. Vittori's a tough guy who's also good on the ground. So, you know, I don't know. It's, it's tough to figure it out. I, I, think, I think it's more likely... That Hermanson, again, very well-rounded, so I, I guess I'm trying to split hairs here or just kind of put things out into the ether. It's probably a little more likely that Hermanson would finish the fight early as opposed to Vittori. So I think 
I don't want to say the longer the fight goes, the more it favors Vittori, because I don't know if that's true. But I, I will say it's probably more likely Hermanson gets the quick finish than Vittori. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I think... Honestly, I, th- I think the most likely winning scenario for Vittori is probably by a win by decision. I, I think that's probably it. I think if this fight goes to a decision... And and you have to you have to you know if you just told me this fight went to a decision and I had to guess who won, I I probably would go Vittori, um, but again this this is going to be a very good fight, um, a lot more at stake for uh, Vittori, actually well, see that's interesting right because a lot more at stake, as in there's a lot more to gain but there's not a whole lot to lose if Marvin Vittori at number 14 loses to Jack Hermanson at number 4 I don't think anybody fucking shits on him I don't think anybody you know goes oh that guy's a bum hey you just took on a really solid top 5 guy no problem you're 27 get back on it no big deal but if Hermanson loses to the number 14 guy I think that's a much bigger deal but but again the way the rankings work here for North Star Sports if you if you lose, you're really only going to go down two or three spots at at most. It, it's it's the fighter who wins who potentially could go up uh, much more. Especially you know if Romanson loses to the number fourteen guy, he's not the number fourteen guy. But if Vittori beats the number four guy, he's the number four guy. And honestly, Yoel Romero is on one hell of a losing streak uh, at number six. Uh, Darren Till is on one hell of a losing streak in my opinion at number seven because he hasn't won since 2017 and Hermanson just beat Gastelum so honestly even if Hermanson loses to the number 14 guy he probably only drops down below Derek Brunson so he probably he only drops a spot uh well I guess technically two spots because Vittoria would uh be ahead of him but again it's a good one I'm very curious to see where it takes place I I disagree with the odds uh again I just I, I don't I don't agree with Vittori being the favorite but again it, it's it's a very close uh it's a very close fight and again the, the favorite only reflects you know what the betting odds are so it's not exactly you know MMA experts coming up with the odds you know if I'm if a shit ton of people started you know betting on Hermanson then the odds would would change so it's it's just what people and their money think so it's not the end-all be-all but you know people aren't generally you know well (laughs) sports bettors generally generally aren't stupid with money um i i do want to talk about a couple of the notable um prop bets here for hermanson and vittori um it's uh, a, a minus 195 uh that the fight doesn't go to a decision so it's it's a minus 195 that there's a finish in the fight um, so it, I guess people think it's more likely that it's going to get finished. Um, it's a plus 20, it's, it's a plus 250 that Vittori wins by KO. So I guess people, so I guess what that means is that people think either Vittori is going to win by decision or by submission. Actually, you know what? So they have. They also have Vittori winning by submission at plus six hundred. So I guess they really think if Vittori is going to win, it's by decision. Uh, I want to see what the odds here are for 
Hermanson by submission because I think that's probably the most interesting um, outcome. I guess they don't have that. Where this website is very interesting, but there's so many, uh, so much to cipher through. Um, minus five fifteen uh, that uh, Hermanson doesn't win by submission. Um, so I, I, which I guess makes sense because there's plenty of other ways to win other than well, two other ways to win than, than by submission. But uh, that's interesting. I guess I'm just wasting my time here, fucking looking through all of these numbers that uh, don't exactly make sense. But uh, yeah, we'll go Hermanson and uh, we'll go round two submission. I suppose round one submission. I guess. I, I, see, it, it's it's tough because I think that's the most likely outcome. Uh, but there's so many interesting outcomes that uh, just because it's the most likely doesn't mean much because I think there's plenty of viable options here. But uh, yeah, we're going to go Hermanson uh, beating Vittori on this one. So uh, with that, we'll wrap it up here again. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. Plenty of interesting stuff on there. Main card showdown rankings, main card showdown records, our picks, our uh, our uh, UFC rankings, all that stuff is on the website. Uh, so be sure to uh, head on over there and check that out. But uh, for now, we'll wrap it up. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.